Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Hardcore Listing, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting opposite me today. You right, lads? It's uh, Cockney Chris Glasson. Oh, right, Cockney Chris Glasson today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we've just come banning down the uh, the apples and pears and we will be delivering you a right mockney knees up of a top five today. Um, before we... Uh, we, we we get all go blimey and start counting them down. Um, first of all, we should thank our sponsors. So first of all, I'm going to kick things off, uh, Christopher Glasson, with uh, egg fried uh, streetwear, skate kind of chic, um, kind of punk influenced. Um, go and check it out, eggfried.com. Uh, they also do bespoke denim, so they make you kind of uh, your, your, your threads bespoke as well uh and if you use the discount code egg salad you will save yourself some pound notes who else chris where would be where would we be without love-beer.co.uk uh not only just in lockdown but in life in general our first sponsor charles from love beer um is a purveyor of fine lagers really and all things beer related he will deliver it to your door no matter where you are in the country um if you go back a few what about 10 episodes now we did a wicked podcast with him top five um of his most recent beers and you can still buy those five beers in a sort of like little gift pack um if you go to love-beer.co.uk and type in the code as well lbhclp and you'll get yourself a, a little discount and our last sponsor and by no means uh least is bang boom creative um incredible media production company owned by our good friend luke van boom uh, go check him out. Go and uh, check out his show reel. Go ahead over to the website. Um, I mean, he's way too tight to give you uh, a discount code, so uh, unfortunately, <laughs> he won't be able to save any money. And he's quite pricey as well. So uh, I, wouldn't even, yeah. I don't even go on his website, guys. Nah, it's not you. worth don't, it. Don't no, worry about it. nah. Right. Okay. Um, should we get on with today's episode? Yeah, sure. Um, we're looking for a new sponsor as well. <laughs> so if anyone... <laughs> <laughs> oh amazing um well uh it, today's a good one we've got two guests first time we've had two guests for a while and uh and and what great guests we've got returning guest um is this your second or third matt stocks anyway we should say <laughs> third time hey matt how you doing 
Yeah, am I a first hat trick contender? Oh, oh. Um, I, I, Jordan, I think we've had... got to be in the Jordan, running, right? You, you will. You'll definitely be in the running. In fact, you're an elite group. There's not many. There's um, Gal Porter. I'd say mm. uh, Jordan Gray might have s- squeezed herself into three now. Scroobius uh, Pip. Oh, he don't even count. He doesn't even count, does he? <laughs> well, I'm amongst good company, are, either way. You are. All great people. Yes, yeah, so we did the Mickey Rourke Top 5 was my first appearance. And then I recently returned for the Top 5 Stories from my book. And then this will be the third. Yeah. One for, oh, and you've done the live one. Oh, so I'm a, I'm yeah, a quadruple, quadruple dude then. <laughs> Super top tier. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Wow, okay. Yeah, this is my fourth hardcore listing appearance wonderful thank you boys oh, well you. making his debut jesse leach hello 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 how you doing man i'm i'm well yeah started out a nice grumpy morning but uh, i did some yoga and all my healthy routine and i'm feeling much better <laughs> so whereabouts are you right now jesse i live in woodstock new york up in the mountains nice Amazing. nice yeah it is nice it's really nice here and so the, the reason this podcast has come about um, with, with having both Matt and Jesse on um, is because you've recently launched uh, a podcast. So uh, do one of you gents want to kind of explain a little bit about what listeners can get from, from the new pod? Hmm. Yeah, I reckon, Jesse, you take this one because they've heard me talk loads <laughs> on this show over the years. But I will just quickly say, is your mic definitely connected to the, um, yes. the program? Have a little look. It sounds like it might not be. It keeps fucking. You keep, you keep having to like reselect it. Is the only thing with these. No, oh, that's there. It is there, oh. is it? Jesse, you've just. No, you've just <laughs> muted yourself now. <laughs> just got on mute. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm there. I'm I'm connected. Do you do um, quick cool. question? Right. Did you do yoga every morning? Is that your start? No, I wish I was that uh, disciplined. No, I I reluctantly do it. Um, probably twice a week. I'm trying to do three times a week. Uh, my girlfriend will wake up and she's all like, let's go. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> but every single time I do it, I feel much better. Like I'm just, I'm tight. All, I'm like old and rickety and tight and I've got tore injuries. And when I do it, I feel great. I really do. And it helps my head as well. So I'm working on a three times a week thing. I it, I have to, I'm just old and broken. <laughs> I'm the same man. I, f- I feel great after I've done it. It's just being bothered. Yeah, being bothered and then like some of the stretches I do, I just feel awkward and it it, it hurts. Like downward dog hurts. <laughs> I'm literally sweating my ass off just trying to keep myself up. But I'm getting slightly better. Yeah, it's just I got to start doing something because I don't want to be all hunched over and you know an old man just I can't do anything. So. You just got to look at I don't know where Stu is on your view. Oh, I, I knew there it. was a joke coming there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how did we segue onto yoga? Sorry, sorry. I was just planning to get one in on Stu as soon as possible. Well, that actually can kind of fall in line because uh, uh, we did start a podcast called Stoke the Fire. And we are going to talk about everything from lifestyle to, to, you know, mental health issues to to music to film. I mean, nothing's off the table. But the, the general premise for it is conversations you would have around a campfire, how they tend to be deeper, uh, more heartfelt, um, more interesting in the way that people respond to a fire. So, you know, anyone who's sat around a fire, you know what that conversation usually is like. And even if you're at a party or people are going crazy, there tends to be this calm that comes over everybody and they tend to listen and share stories and break bread, if you will. So the idea is just to, as Joe Strummer would say, bring the humanity back into the conversation 
Um, we actually have Joe Strommer as our intro. You can hear him speak uh, the line before his cover of Redemption song. Wow. And it was kind of uh, influenced by him and what he did with his Around the Fire talks. And mm. Matt pitched it to me that way. It was like, you know, the Glastonbury Festival, what Joe would do around the fire, the campfire talks. And to me, it was just a no-brainer. It was like, I love The Clash. I love Joe Strummer. I love everything he stood for. I love fire. I'm totally a fire boy. And uh, Matt's a great interviewer, a great podcaster, great conversationalist. So it just kind of came together naturally. And we've been having a great time doing it. And uh, we're getting ready to have guests. And it's just been a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's something I look forward to every single week now. The premise wonderful. sounds excellent, and I can confirm. I do think Matt is a, a wonderful interviewer and guest. Uh, yeah. I've been trying to get him to replace Stu for quite a while now, but he's. Uh, <laughs> he's... <laughs> this is the ongoing training oh, process. God, this is great. <laughs> oh man, I don't even need to be worried about my wife trading me in for a younger model. My podcast partners <laughs> trading me in for a younger model. What's going on, man? Come on. Well, we, well there's an overlap there because she's trading me. In, I'm trading you for podcast and your wife as well. So I'm just taking both over. <laughs> so. Fucking and you hell. two can attest right now, this is like a case in point. And one of the things I'm the most looking forward to about doing this podcast with Jesse is growing closer to him and watching you two bicker like a married couple. I can only wait and, you know, anticipate with great glee when me and Jesse get to that stage. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I think sharing conversations with someone regularly week in, week out, it gives you purpose, especially in these crazy times. It gives you something to look forward to, doesn't it? And and focus on and distract yourself with and all the good stuff. Well, I'm going to be honest, too. Like, when I get a text from him, like, and the way he is just makes me happy. I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. I was saying this morning because I was kind of grumpy, like I said. I'm sitting on the couch next to my girlfriend after yoga, and I'm like, I, you know, it's so nice to have Matt in my life, like, to talk to him on a regular basis because he's positive. He's full of energy. He's got all these ideas. And I'll just like flip the switch. I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's awesome. He just pulled me out of a, a shitty sort of frame of mind this morning. I was like, it's so nice to have somebody who encourages you. And like, you know, I will say this too. I was at a point where I wasn't sure where my career was going because I'm off the road. I haven't, you know, it's like, what the hell am I going to do with my life this past year? And when he pitched that show, it just gave me a whole new lease on life. I'm like, wow, this is something I kind of was interested in anyway because I'm obsessed listening to podcasts. And then to jump in and, and actually do it, it's given me a whole new like hope for the future because it's like something outside of just being a musician so it's been great i'd just like to clarify i've never said anything like that about you chris why can't <laughs> why can't you be more like matt <laughs> so we'll switch up i've never put the phone down to you and said to my wife do you know what it was like a ray of fucking sunshine that call like <laughs> I was actually going to be, I was actually going to be nice to you, probably, but, uh, but how genuine Jesse was there. But um, no, Matt, Matt you, it, it's so true. Like, um, I love this podcast. I do love my relationship with Stuart and uh, the fun that we have and the dicking around we have, and then the, the, the serious nature of it. And I think the, the the setup for your podcast, guys, and the idea that that idea of fire and that element to it, I think is really cool. Um, so yeah. Yeah, the, the other thing really was I think you can completely attest to this, both of you being, you know, people who've grown up in and around cities and venues. A big thing that both me and Jesse have been doing this year is escaping into nature and kind of, you know, reconnecting with that side of life in the absence of shows and bars. And a big part of this podcast is going to be tapping into that as well, because there is like a, you know, there's a spirituality and a philosophy that comes with, 
people who are connected to nature, I think. And I've always been much more of a city person. But in this last year, I've very much kind of cultivated that side to my personality and I've really enjoyed that process. And, um, yeah, it's just nice to kind of switch it up and it won't, you know, I love the fact that on this show you guys talk about everything and anything and the tone can switch from light-hearted to serious and, uh, you know, it can kind of go everywhere and that's the dream for me with this show and, and why I love just the art form of podcasting so much is because really if you if you have a nice kind of arena and space where everybody feels comfortable, then the conversation can go anywhere, can't it? And that's a wonderful feeling. Yeah, and I find that it becomes effortless too, you know, you just before you know it, the hour's over and you're like, yeah. oh, that was really nice. It doesn't even feel like an effort. I think a lot of the guests that we've had uh, where they haven't recorded anything before, maybe they're not really any sort of public facing roles. They're like, oh, I'm really nervous. And before you know it, the hour's over and they're like, I, I love that. I can't believe where that hour went. It's, uh, it's a good place to be when you have that sort of conversation and it speeds along like that. And Stu's disappeared now, so I don't know what if he's... He had enough, enough mate, today? I'm sure he did that. And the last time I was on here as well. He's over He it. just gets, <laughs> gets up and scarpers. I think because he's doing so many podcasts on his own now, he realises when, when he does these shows with you, he can kind of just let you take the strain and he can just go off and have a it's, drink and chill it's out. It's not that bad. He's recording another podcast while he's sat here. <laughs> I wonder why he was releasing several a week. He's literally <laughs> up. Well, I mean, we're talking about the fact that, you know, one of the most beautiful things about podcasting, this is a really fucking tenuous link here, but one of the beautiful things about podcasting is there is no rules. And I do, at the very essence of it, it is that punk ethos of podcasting that I really love. And that was, as tenuous as it sounds, I say it all the time. You it's do. the thing I love about podcasting. It's not radio. It's not TV. It's yeah. not, there's no rules. It's as punk as fuck. And so it's a really nice way to lead on to you introducing what your top five is going to be today. That's called a segue for the people at home. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> yeah, you're completely right. You're completely right. And that's the main thing me and Jesse have always bonded over is DIY culture, do it yourself. Um, the music, of course, but also the whole ideology and attitude and outlook and approach that comes with the territory. And you are right, podcasting is exactly that. It's just grab a mic. You know, you don't even need three chords with podcasting. All you need is an idea and a microphone, and you're good to go. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's it, isn't it? It's a lifestyle. It's not just music. It's it's a whole embodiment. It's a culture. It's something that will be with me till the day I die. You know, and that's what I love about punk rock. It's just it's a whole mindset. You're right. There's no rules here. There's no one standing around going, all right, 10 minutes. My client's got to go. You know, make sure you plug the record. You know, all that shit. It's out the window. And it creates a much more deep uh, experience. So, yeah. It's, there's more. There's a sincerity to it. And, and I think you get that in podcasts as well. On long format, po long format podcasts, the conversation mm. can go anywhere. There's no real, there's a rough structure that we have. But that's it. And mm. as a result, more genuine conversations come out. And, uh, you know, there's that honesty in punk. 100%. Love it. So when you have two people doing a list, how do you like to unveil the the reveals? We can't just go on about punk ethos and then start <laughs> throwing rules so, at you. That's the complete... <laughs> so the structure is... We can't do that, can we? <laughs> right, here, here's all five of mine now. Oh, well, you've got you've got 20 minutes, guys, and Jesse, you've got to plug the new record, and then you guys have got to fuck off because we've got someone else in. <laughs> Who should go first is what I'm saying, and should we go back to back one apiece? Yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah. that's the best yeah. way, yeah. 
So, all right, Jesse, um, as it's your first time over here. All right, I'm gonna start with Operation yeah, Ivy. Bob. Operation Ivy, uh, to me, I know all the lyrics to every single song. Uh, that I just think they were, in essence, a flash in the pan. They came and went, but their legacy lives on, and it inspired an entire generation of bands. I mean, you could say most of the the third wave ska punk whatever you want to call it i mean after operation ivy into rancid it exploded all the california bands were inspired by it and it opened my eyes to ska music which is a whole other type of music i didn't even know about when i listened to operation ivy um they're they're talking about unity their blending of sounds and styles the guitar tone the sound of the voice just everything about that band they're just incredible and to this day if you put that album on i know every single word and i will start scan i don't care where i am i'll start skanking i'll put my arm around somebody if they know the words it's just one of my all-time favorite bands ever and i love that you just kind of came and went they were just you know a flash in the pan like i said but what a legacy would you have put your introduction to sort of scar down to the sort of scar punk so? yeah 100 i mean yeah i mean i'd heard you know early bob marley um but I didn't really know what the term was. You know, there was no real sort of, you know how like that era of ska, um, I guess you could say it's the second wave into the third wave. Um, they were really all about talking about the term ska, you know, and that's when I first recognized the, the, the two-tone, the checkered. I didn't know what the checkered was. Hmm. And I kept seeing it. Uh, people wearing wristbands and stuff like that. And then, yeah, that was definitely an introduction and made me want to listen to other bands like the Toasters and, you know, um, it kind of made me go down that road of, well, what is this? What is this thing they're doing with the guitar? It's punk, but it's not like, what the hell is it? And I just remember the feeling it gave me too. that up just made you like want to, you know, energy <laughs> appropriately named. Like it just gave you just this energy to it. And it had such a youthful sort of feeling to me. It just reminds me of high school, like that album, you put it on, I think high school in the best way possible. Like me and my buddies driving around you know, the countryside smoking weed and just singing along together in the car. It just, I love that record. It's its timeless for me. I take it it's not in your five, Matt, or is it? It's not in my five. It is written down as one of the five I thought Jesse would pick. The first time we met each other, uh, he came into Kerrang Radio when I was working on there. And, you know, we'd never met before. I'd never interviewed him before. So I just thought he's going to come and pick some metal songs. And he came in with Adam D from Killswitch. And they, I think they had three songs each to play on the radio. And all Jesse's tracks, there's a couple more bands that I've written down here. I'll see if he picks them too. But all, all three of the bands that he picked on that day were all punk. And I was like, wow, I had no idea that that was kind of your DNA. Um, and so we bonded from day one over that. And... Yeah, I love that they are a one-statement band. They're like the Sex Pistols. You know, it's just, I know the Pistols released other stuff, but for me, you can erase everything else apart from Nevermind the Bollocks. That right there in one album is all you need. And they're both kind of the same band in that way. They just made that statement, fucked off, changed the world forever, seen a bit. Yeah. Well, do you want to get your number five? There, yeah, man. I'm going to I'm going to start with the most obvious one that I'm sure you'll all know is going to be in my list and that is no effects. So let's just get that out of the way <laughs> yeah, now to yeah. start. I didn't know you <laughs> um, like them. We don't need to build any <laughs> tension there. And I will just say if people haven't heard me on your podcast before going on about no effects or indeed going on about them on my own show, uh, by the way, Mike and Melvin from no effects were both recently on my podcast. Nice. Um, if anybody wants to check that out and Maybe obviously so. Melvin has 
Melvin's been on Stu's as well. Great interview. Total sweetheart, didn't oh, he? Just the absolutely adorable, the loveliest man. So nice. And that band for me, they were my light bulb moment where I kind of fell into the world of punk rock and never looked back. I'd heard Green Day and The Offspring before them, but they for me are kind of the gateway bands. And then No Effects is not to be like an elitist, but No Effects was an a level deeper where they're talking about more intricate, complicated issues in the music. They're living that true DIY independent lifestyle. Uh, they're the only big punk band from that era to never sign to a major. They've always retained their independence, whether it was on Epitaph early on or Fat later. And just the reason I love them is they continue to try new things and creatively engage their fan base. Even as of right now, they just announced like a new Patreon approach that they're going to take um, to the, the writing and recording of their next record. And they're going to do live in-studio Zoom hangouts and invite their audience into the studio in real time to watch them write and record this album. Wow. And, you know, over the years, they've done everything from the Backstage Passport series to the book, Seven Inch of the Month Club. They've even got their own festival now. Everything they do is always like a step ahead of the game in terms of business. And they're thinking, how can we make money but do it in a way that's going to give our fans something cool? And and for that reason, on top of the music, I just, you know, will forever adore this band. Huge influence on me and my attitude to my professional and personal life. And um, they're the gold standard of that 90s Californian skate punk sound for me as well. So, yeah, no effects in at five. Get it out of the way. But, you know, they are my number one all-time favorite punk band right there. Absolutely, man. And I think what you just said there, like listing all the different things that they've done, I mean, that's that's punk and DIY culture at its essence, isn't it? Right, what have we got at our disposal? What can we afford to do? What is, you know, what are the tools that we've got? Right, we can do this. Let's do this. Let's put it out there. And it's like, I, I think that, and, and, and Fat Records as well, like props to that, like incredible. Yeah. And yeah. I, and they've been a band for 39 years and they just put out their 14th album and it's great. And how many bands can say they've been a band for nearly 40 years and are still releasing material which is socially relevant, you know, sonically interesting? There's not many, mm. really not many, certainly not in the punk genre. To be like a punk band 40 years in and still be releasing good records is almost unheard yeah, of. Not running out of I things say. to say is, uh, is, is great, isn't it? To still deliver quality and think, I've done it all now, I've got nothing else to give. Yeah, it's a, a, yep. a good innings, 39 years and still going. Still going strong, yeah, and they'll be they'll be going for another twenty or more years, I'd say, unless Mike dies of an overdose, <laughs> <laughs> which is highly likely. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, number four, please. Yeah, I'm going to throw a curveball in here, but I think it's a very necessary curveball and something that I really, really think uh, people should be aware of is a band called Horror H O nine nine O nine, and they blend different styles like. You know, there's there's hip hop in there. There's industrial. There's uh, obviously punk rock. Um, they just mix the different styles. But what strikes me, and I've met them and had conversations with them and seen them live, they are punk to the core. And it's just these two dudes from Brooklyn who were raised in the ghetto on hip hop and punk, and their stage presence is reminiscent of the Bad Brains in the eighties. They're I they're ideas and their frame of mind you know you could pull in the prodigy there like they have the electronic stuff they have the rap they have just this unabashedly don't give a fuck what you think about us attitude 
and it's exciting. They're one of the most exciting bands to watch live and what they put out their music that no song sounds the same. Uh, one guy cross dresses, the other guy just, you know, huge anarchy tattoo, no shirt, dreadlocks. Like they don't give a shit and they're the nicest dudes, but they're the strangest dudes at the same time. They're both almost like an Iggy pop type of person. You got two of them in one band. And they just don't know any barriers. They continue to excite me and surprise me. And I would say probably one of the best live bands I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I don't think they get half the credit that they, they deserve. I think people don't really know about them. And I've seen them play festivals and they blow the headliner out of the water because they just, they're nonstop, nonstop energy. And when they get off stage, they're, they're absolutely exhausted. And they get into a little teeny minivan pack their shit up and drive away and you know through the festival buses and all that and i literally when i met them i was like whoa i was already a fan but to watch them play live then to hang out with them while they smoked weed after their set and it just like in their attitude super nice no pretension no nothing just get ready to go on stage destroy the stage get off towel up get out of there just horror are incredible i've not heard of those guys and i'm gonna to have to check them out they that sounds so similar to i want to say a band but i'm worried that one of you guys will say it, although they're not strictly punk have you guys got any bands begin uh first word begins with d second word begins with g or not so i can mention them go for it yeah. so i no, i always I feel like then you'll, then you'll mention them i'll go oh yeah I have. <laughs> no i don't think death so. grips i think death grips yeah man are, Definitely. They have that sort of punk feel. like that. So me and Pip went to see him, I don't know, fucking uh, five years ago at least, and that set just had all of the things you were saying about horror, and it just blew us away. Um, and again, they're just kind of nice, very placid, like quite um, intro, introverted dudes, but you wouldn't know that when you watch them perform, because like, especially uh, the, the front man's just a fucking lunatic. Um, so yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to check out Horror Man because they sound excellent. yeah. And you got you got two guys that are lunatics and they're <laughs> lunatics in their own way. You know, like when I saw them, he one guy was wearing a dress with pantyhose over his face with his dreads coming out all of the place. <laughs> Amazing. And he stripped down to like these really skin tight pants and was pelvic thrusting and being very homoerotic and going nuts. Then the other guy is super masculine, jumping off the drum sets. He's pretty diesel, jumping in the crowd getting in the middle of the crowd and yelling at people to circle pit around him and then jumping in the circle pit and not missing a fucking beat. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's weird that you mentioned the, 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 the prodigy kind of influence there as well. I'm sure they're on, they were on the last prodigy record as well. Yeah. Yeah. They've done yeah. stuff with prodigy. Yep. Yeah. Mm. They definitely make no bones about the fact that they love prodigy and who wouldn't. That's a, you could easily add them into this as well. Cause they had a punk. That's, that's a band that blew me away when I saw them. I was always like, yeah, smack my bitch up. And I saw them play at a festival and like it punched me right in the solar plexus. So like, wow, the energy of this band's off the charts. Yeah, they were incredible too. Chris and I have it's quite well documented that we, we both saw we we we're from the same county as as a prodigy. Uh and we saw their their homecoming show um in ninety eight. Uh and to this day still the greatest show I've ever seen. Yeah. Like he, hearing poison by the prodigy in a field at that point in their own back garden pretty much. It's fucking ridiculous, yeah, it's right? Yeah, absolutely. Legends. Hey, listen, guys, you mentioned Pip a moment mm -hmm. ago. Guess who Jesse used to share an apartment with? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a pip connection. Right, um, New Danny York City. Lona, no, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, who's he been out there with? Stu, can you think? What? It was it was somebody that was signed may still be signed to Pip's label. Dolan. Um, Other one. Oh, Sage. Sage Francis. No. Uh, yeah. How right. crazy is that? Jesse, that is crazy, man. Like Sage Francis might. I don't know. Like he's up there with like when Pip started like when his career really started lift taking off and that. Sage is one of those people that I I, I don't want to meet my stars and I know he's a lovely guy because Pip has said all this but for me Sage Francis is just the. It blows me out. Blows my mind. He lyrically, really, he redefined yeah, hip hop for me. When he was writing um, personal journals, yeah. I was writing "Alive or Just Breathing," which no. is like the seminal Postwood record. So we would compare notes, and he had a dry erase board where he would write out every single day. He'd write out a lyric because we lived with like six people in like a kind of a commune. And I remember reading every single day. You know, having my breakfast, reading lines that he would write. And then um, when he wrote Makeshift Patriot, <laughs> I never forget that morning. It was the morning that 9-11 happened. And he was the one guy to be like, something's not right here. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he wrote that song about, you know, how people are going to, the backlash behind it. And he's got a degree in journalism and he's first and foremost a poet. Like if you've ever watched his slam poetry, it's mind blowing. Yeah. The guy is just, he's on a whole other level. Yeah. And living yeah. with him was never a dull moment because he loves to fuck with people. He's hysterical. <laughs> Very Andy Kaufman, like, will stay in character the entire time and freak people out. Yeah, that guy's he's he's brilliant. That's mad. That that was the record that I sort of like discovered as well, and that that sent me on a whole different trajectory with my because I've gone through different being a fan of different genres at different points, and 
hip hop was yeah. my first love. And yeah, I, I was I was on something else by that point. I can't remember what I was listening to. And I remember Pip was like getting back into it. It's like, check this guy out, check out Saul Williams and personal yeah, yeah that is it. Saul I think Williams. In, Inherited Scars, I think, was the tune off that record, and I was just like, I just can't get my fucking head around how good he is. So it's not a Sage Francis show, but it's, it's, it blows my mind to know that you, you, you he wrote that alongside too, you. He, That's great. Yeah, he's punk as fuck, and yeah. he loves punk rock. Yeah, he, he could be on the list for sure. Amazing. But um, we have him as a guest on our show, so we have him. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's coming on Stoke the Fire. For, and how mad is that? Because, I mean, I don't know if you know, Jesse, but Pip and these guys are very good friends, like old, old, old friends. This podcast that we're on, is on his podcast network. Oh, right on. Um, and he does he still um, work with Sage on speech development records or? Mm. Yeah. As far as I'm so aware, yes. yeah. I don't think so. Sage is, is on Pip's label yeah. as well. Mad. Small yeah, world, eh? Strange connections as well. Love that's it. The that's the thing about punk rock. It doesn't have to be just a guitar thing. Like, there's so many, you know, it, it's not just a genre. It's really not. That's what I love about it. Who's up? Who's the next one? Matt, Matt number Back four. Back to you, Matt. Yeah, so we're going to keep it 90s American. Uh, going to roll these two as a double bill. No Effects 5. In at 4 is Rancid. Yes. Um, when I'm watching No Effects Live, I'm just the happiest I could ever be. I'm smiling. I'm singing along. I'm in my element. When I'm watching Rancid Live, I'm going fucking berserk. They're the one band that every time I see them without fail, I will just be knocking back beers, running down to the front, losing my shit, and just giving myself over to the energy that they conjure up in their live sets. And what's great about Rancid is they're smart enough to know that they haven't really made much music of any worth since the year 2000. And that's how No Effects and them are different. Is No Effects, I think, continue to write you know, music that will go in their set and that stands alongside their old stuff. Rancid kind of peaked with an outcome, The Wolves and Life Won't Wait, two of just the greatest records ever. There's about 18 or 19 songs on each album. They're kind of like their Tula London calling records back to back. And they kind of just petered off after that for me. There's always a couple of tunes on each album, but never anything like that. But whenever you see them live, the whole set's just 90s hits and they just come out and crush it. And uh, every time I've seen them play, it's only been a few, about three times I've seen them. They're just the greatest live punk band I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, just for the 90s catalogue alone and those two albums back to back, Outcome the Wolves, Life Won't Wait, Rancid will forever be one of my favourite bands yeah, you of could, all time. You could almost argue that they're, for a while there, they were kind of the new clash, for sure. I like that you referenced that because, yeah, there was a time where I saw them, for sure, as like sort of Clash Part 2. Yeah, great band. Big, big time. You can just hear the even obviously the Operation Ivy stuff. Yeah, the influence is there. But then when it gets to the Clash, you're like, wow, this is just Joe Strummer is all over this thing in the best possible way. Like they wear their influences very much on their sleeves. And Brett Gurowitz from Bad Religion, also owner of Epitaph Records, uh, who Sage Francis obviously was signed to. It's all tying in. He has said many times in interviews that he looks upon Tim Armstrong as the Bob Dylan of punk. So, yeah, in the the lyricism and the poetry and the stories that he tells even sonically uh, and like, yeah and sonically yeah the, just doesn't care about notes as much <laughs> the slur slurring yeah. yeah but he's he's a great street storyteller yeah. tim armstrong is and that there's a lot of heart and soul in the you know the characters and the scenarios that he evokes with his songwriting 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just a timeless band. I wish they'd make another good new record, but maybe that ship has sailed and it'll just be the 90s. <laughs> They'll be dining out on that forever. But if they're going to dine out on two records, they might as well be. Out come the wolves and life won't wait. I had a few. Uh, mm. I had, I've had a few people come on uh, off the beaten track and, and 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 talk about Armstrong and 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 someone shows some of the stuff that he's done sort of more recently, like literally him and a guitar. Um, and it's is it called Time Bomb Tim or something? Tim like, Time Bomb? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, solo wise, he's putting out songs like every month. Yeah, there's some really good stuff on there though. Yeah, yeah, there is, 100%. And and Lars has done great stuff outside of Rancid as well. The Lars Fredrickson and the Bastards Project, he did two two records with that. He's got the old Firm Casuals, kind of like an oi band. Transplants, obviously. Was that but a one-off they, but, album, or did that... I don't know too much about Transplants. Obviously, I knew Diamonds and Guns and three Transplants albums. Transplants did three albums, wow. yeah. First, first one, like a stone-cold classic record from start to end. Two and three, Peter Off. I think if they got the best elements of Tim's solo stuff, Lars and the Bastards, Old Firm Casuals and Transplants and put all that together, they would be like a modern day epic rancid record in there. But I think at this stage they're a bit more splintered off and that that brotherhood and the focus has has been diluted perhaps with age and life just taking them in different directions. But I mean, both of them are just incredible songwriters and the well is still very much not dry. Mm. Um, That's obvious. But yeah, it just seems like rancid can't quite get everything on the same page for for an album that happens though right well jesse you you can probably shed light on this as a musician you see it in bands right you see over time like the bands that have come before you at a certain point they kind of hit absolute peak and then what something happens doesn't it yeah i yeah i think it's you know like you said age and people get burnt out you know that's why it takes me so damn long to make a record because i obsess over not being a fucking half-ass but uh yeah i mean it's hard to maintain that really you know you're talking about how you said you think no effects has always put out good records like what band really does that there's not a lot of bands that really consistently put out stuff that you you love even some of my favorite bands like you know we're talking about the clash like sandinistas like it's got some good shit on it but there's some songs i'm like i don't it's not my thing and i love the clash but i didn't put them on this list uh consequently i I talk about all the time (laughs) When you have that chat, though, Joe, right here, nice. But he said, like, I I rack my brains for you know all of my favourite bands. I just think, no, they they've they've put out records that you know some records that ain't that good, and I forgive them because they're my favourite bands, and I want them to try things. And but then I do think, I think Nick Cave hasn't gone wrong yet. Has Nick Cave ever done a duffer? I don't think so. I've so. got a very unpopular opinion. Like I just can't. I can't. I have really been <laughs> really. Sat, I have been sat down and sort of instructed on how to get into Nick Cave, and <laughs> I sure? try and I appreciate and respect and I see the way he performs and it's like the gospel, you know. But he's just one of those guys that just never, just like the Smiths and Morrissey. I just can't. I can't. <laughs> Jesse, I, I've had that. Like, Stu had to put Stu tattoos on. So, Stu's got more, like, Smith's tattoos. And, and he had to, like, for years. Like, I was even a, a mate of Mike Mike's for years from the Smiths. And, and I didn't really dig the Smiths. It, it, it literally took Stu. Like, we would go going up to see Mike, I think, to do the podcast for this. He's like, we'll listen to some Smiths. I was like, ah, oh, have we got to? And uh, I like Mike. I, you know, get him like a house on fire with him. Good drinking, buddy. But... I can't be bothered to listen. And that, finally, that trip was, I, I don't know, there was something I caught. It's, 
and then that was it. And then I was like, oh shit, I, I actually really do like it. But you can respect mm. a, a a musician or a band, and 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 also just be like, it ain't t- ticking any buttons. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I don't, know, I don't want to try to be cool and say that I like it, you know. But uh, mm. the controversial thing about it, I think both those guys is I love Tom Waits. So I feel like there's the Tom Waits and Nick Cave yeah. and then I love I love the Cure. So it's like yeah. more the Cure. Like I'm the guy on the other side of both of those arguments. True. Just the, going back to this thing about bands being consistent. I mean, like it like there's depending on how many people are in the band. How difficult is that? Like as a human being, my personality changes all the mm. time. I mean, it to an extent, if you know what I mean. Like my taste change, life circumstances change. For them to constantly stay in sync with three or four other people, it's, 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 it's so difficult. And then if you add real, real success to it as well, I think that's a whole different dynamic for people to have to figure out and how to manage. So yes, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky landscape. It's tough, it is tough, yeah. I would like to add, Chris, off the back of that, that I don't even think it's about consistency because for me, you can be inconsistent, but you can still be progressive and interesting. Yeah, true. And, and the thing is, is the clash for me of they've never put a foot wrong, but they've never tried anything outside of their wheel. All they've really done is delivered half-hearted replicas of stuff they've already done. Yeah. And so, whereas a band like Weezer, frustratingly incons- inconsistent, but at least they're always trying new things. Like Weezer have never put out the same album twice. They're always doing new things. More often than not, doesn't it falls short of the mark for me but as a fan i'll always find a few songs on every weezer album that i love because i love weezer and god bless them for trying i think my thing with rancid is they just evidently stopped trying a long time ago Uh, whereas weezer god bless them will try (laughs) as hard as they can but often release just garbage records but at least they're still trying new things i guess there's definitely something to be said for that and absolutely i mean and 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 i think there's for me i I look at when people say Beatles and the Stones, for me, I, I think the Beatles, every single record was a huge progression. Yep. You know, whereas the, the Stones, and I love the Stones. I'm not hating on the Stones, but I, I think mate, it was certainly in the last sort of maybe 25 years, they've put out pretty much a very similar sounding mm. record. It's not been, whereas at this point, Bowie's now making drum and bass records, which commercially got panned, but... Bowie was the artist. Bowie was still pushing, pushing. Let's try this. People might not like it. Fuck it. I'm an artist. I'm going to try and do this. And and I, I think, yeah, I, I do think that there's a lot to be said for people that might, that the final output might sound dated and might not quite work now. But at the time, I think they're trying to push the boundaries of what they can do as an artist. And I think that's really important that there's still, you know, artists out there doing that. You know, it might not always fall right, but... Uh, to me, that's what an artist is, someone that doesn't just sit back and go, right, I'm going to write another one of them albums because, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, that's, well, I say it's not easy, is it, to write another, an, another hit record, but surely you want to progress, right? Dare to, dare to fail. That's the thing, isn't it? It's having the courage to perhaps fail, mm. but, but in the, in the process and in the effort, that's where the art happens. Or you could just be like ACDC or the Stones and just keep churning out the same old thing year after year after year, and it's still golden. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, you touched upon um, the Pistols earlier, and I, I, but let's not talk about them too much. I don't know if they're going to feature any more from, from you guys, but, um, but Leiden could quite easily have just made another gnarly fucking you know, guitar 
rock and roll record, but he goes and does Peel. I mean, that's as fucking punk as it gets, you know? Yeah. Like, that's just like, right, well, this is not what people are going to want or expect, but man, I'm doing this. and Changes the world twice. And yeah. Like, it invents two new genres. Um, that's an artist right there. Yeah, we will talk more about Lyon soon, I'm sure. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I'm going to run for a quick wee. Jesse, you're up next. Enjoy your wee. All right, let's see. I, I think we'll just go to the, the obvious since I'm wearing the T-shirt. And, uh, you know, I... I got into the Pogues uh, through one of my, uh, probably the first punk rock girl I dated. And she made me this mixtape, um, you know, back in the 90s when that was a thing. You know, you date somebody and she was a full on goth punk. And uh, her older brother was, you know, um, rubbing elbows with uh, the Green Day boys. And it was just that time of, of um, my life where I discovered punk. And I remember hearing... Uh, Billy's Bones uh, by the Pogues and Bottle of Smog was on this this mixtape and hearing this obviously Irish music sped up and then his voice Shane's voice of just piss and vinegar like just incredible um, attitude behind it and it blew my mind because you know I was just getting into punk and I was starting to understand what it was and and then I hear this band and I'm like what the fuck is this and then you know as I got older and then the internet internet came along and I got to look up old videos of them and watch what they did and watch his fearlessness. And the fact that he's just shithoused hammered every single time and his voice and just the legacy, the legacy that that band had that inspired flogging Molly, the dropkick Murphy's and an entire generation of bands to sort of be born out of what the Pogues laid down. And to this day, you know, you, talk about originality like they just like the clash they just meshed styles that you just wouldn't see like a reggae punk and then these guys were doing traditional irish music with this punk attitude and seeing early footage of shane mcgowan banging like a you know a plate over his head a you know metal plate to the beat and just bah, with like the teeth hanging out and just pissed drunk and incredible i don't think punk would be what it is today without the pogues the pogues are a crucial turning point for a lot of people and where i grew up outside of boston in rhode island the boston scene exploded with the dropkick murphys and you know there'd be no dropkick without the pogues so i love the pogues to this day they're so much fun to listen to great shout oh, and uh, on what day st patrick's day my, my missus has literally got the po like pogues records lined up for us tonight to listen to and celebrate yeah. so uh, yeah yeah, I've been doing a whole non-drinking thing, but I'm going into town to find some, because I can't drink beer because I'm gluten-free and I really haven't been drinking much, but I'm on a mission. Tonight I'm going to have some dark beer, gluten-free beer. Hopefully I can find it. But, nice. Um, yeah, there's yeah he's, he's got bars open around there, fellas. He yeah. can go out for a drink. How about no that? Oh, yeah. it, we've been open for that for a while. I mean, it's obviously socially distanced and you have to wear a mask till you sit down type thing. But yeah, you can go down the street, down at the edge of my block and, and order a drink and sit there outside and you see the mountains and everything it's beautiful my neighborhood's great <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing i'm not gonna lie to you it's helped keep me sane for sure and i mean to to touch on the pogues a little bit more um just you, you mentioned some of the old footage of him like banging the like the, the, the the beer trail whatever it was over yeah, his head that's it uh, but then but then you go back even further and you see them iconic shows you know by the pistols and and you know all of that kind of click 
Shane's in the audience. You can see yeah. Shane in the audience yeah. in so many sort of clips of, 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 of stuff from that era. And it is, it was so gnarly and joyous and raucous. And then they can switch it and just break your heart. Break your with heart. With like yeah. I just got Summer in Siam and like, you know, pair of brown, brown eyes. Brown eyes. Beautiful. Oof. Uh, uh, Fairytale New York even. there's When I hear that song, yeah. and I play it every single Christmas, when I hear that song and just the way when it starts, I get emotional. Just the yeah. first couple of licks of that song. And you're right. The sadness is there. And the sadness is yeah. there too because Shane is a tragic character. Yeah. And you watch him unravel and like pretty much almost kill himself. How many times? I don't even know. Um, I, I toured with this guy um, who was actually Lemmy from Motorhead's uh, um, personal assistant for eight years. His name's Dan Halen. He's a pretty famous road guy. They did shows um, and they were at the same festival with Shane and Shane was face down in the mud, basically dying. And Dan Halen was able to pick him up and he, he had no idea what was going on and got him to the tent and got him suited up. But you hear stories about that guy everywhere. He's a tragic figure. Mm. It's it's pretty sad. And I think there was a documentary that just came out about Julian Temple made one. That yeah. I, yeah, that I'm like, I have it saved for when I can pay attention to it. But, you know, awesome. another band that you can't talk about punk without mentioning the pogues just because of the sheer influence they had too absolutely just quickly did you say his name was dan Hayes? i was thinking that as well that's incredible let's focus on this for <laughs> yeah but if you watch the uh the lemmy documentary he's in the background of a lot of it he wears a red baseball cap and glasses and you know for eight years of his life he was like he was backstage with him every single day and he was the road guy from my band times of grace so when we toured europe he was our guy so almost every single night like let's get dan drunk and have him tell stories about lemmy so i heard tons of motorhead stories you want to talk about an epic like that's rock and roll i feel like the day <laughs> lemmy died rock and roll just died rock stars they don't they don't exist anymore <laughs> there's certainly a theory for that because i remember when prince Bowie, Lemmy, they all kind of died oh, around the yeah. same time. And after they died was when I do feel like the world did start to unravel. Maybe they were the tapestry holding it all together. So there's been a hell of a lot of death and tragedy and confusion and, and shit music, chaos <laughs> and crap. There's been all kinds of shit since those guys passed on. Oh my god. Um, didn't, and didn't the, like, yeah. the Crock of Gold, Julian Temple, Pogues, well, Shane McGowan documentary can't wait. produced by Johnny Depp is incredible. Um, incredibly moving, hilarious, and there's some great... I mean, there's a lot of scenes of just Depp and Shane in the Boogaloo pub in Highgate just getting smashed, and he's still on it. Like He, can, he can't walk, he's in a wheelchair, and he'll have a fucking wine cup in his hand. It doesn't even look like wine, does it, Stu, that he's drinking? It's God not, knows what right, it is. It's Cinzano. Right. He used to drink pints of Cinzano. I remember seeing and this was like fucking must hell. have been like fucking 20 years ago an interview with Shane McGowan and he was drinking these pints of like he had a bottle of Cinzano he was just filling up a pint and he was drinking it and he was saying that like they said if he carries on drinking he'll be dead in like a few years 20 years later man well, still going on the half pints of Cinzano <laughs> yeah well my next pick you, you mentioned the band then I'm going to get them in now because I feel like it fits the, uh, the narrative thread so the one band, the one album that I think shaped, changed, impacted all of it forever is the Sex Pistols, never mind the bollocks. You know, you see Joe Strummer, you see Shane McGowan, you see all those dudes talk 
openly and honestly in interviews about how the Pistols changed the course of their musical career. You know, before the Pistols, they were doing the sort of bar band stuff and then pub rock, that kind of like mid-70s thing, just basically rock and roll. And then they all saw the Pistols and they were just this, they were something else. The energy was different. The sound wasn't drastically, radically different, but it was just the, the approach. It was tough. It was, you know, it was very anti-establishment. It was provocative, challenging, dangerous. And it's hard now to think of music shaking up the the very core of our society in that way. You know, they were on the front of newspapers, the filth and the fury, public enemy number one. Um, I could talk for hours about the Pistols. I won't, but I will just say that for me, they are the gold standard of UK punk and indeed worldwide international punk. Um, and Leiden, as much as he's a divisive figure and as much of what the things he said in recent years have, you know, turned people off him, Every artist that I've spoken to, and many of them have only come on my podcast because John Lydon was on there. I've had people say that to me, to my face, in the show. Uh, Sean Ryder said it, Mina Caputo said it, loads of people have basically said the only reason I'm doing this show is because John did it, and if it's good enough for John, it's good enough for us. And he is But still don't, don't sell yourself short there, Matt. Don't sell yourself short there, because you know that the minute I listened to that, I phoned you up and told you how fucking great you was on that. Like you, you. I mean, a lot of people like would fall apart in yeah. the presence of yeah. John Lydon because he is a fucking tricky character, right? And you bossed it, and and to this day, it's the greatest music interview podcast I've ever listened to. I think it's an absolute piece of gold you've done there, mate. And and yeah, and you handled that to the point where the minute you finish off, I've got to phone Matt and tell him just how fucking great that was. I don't know if if all our listeners can hear. Thank you, Stu. Can can the listeners hear this when you're saying this with Matt's cock in your mouth? I'm not sure. If <laughs> if we might have to re-record all that. <laughs> we'll edit that out, mate. We'll edit it out. <laughs> no, uh, no, there full it credit is. to you, man. And he, like, he's like, I'm oh, weirdly honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. <laughs> Matt, you are, you're an incredible interviewer, Dave. And, and it, like, I was, weirdly, this is a bit random, but I saw Lydon uh, going on... Um, he was invited to go... I don't know how I found myself in this YouTube hole the other day, and it was Lydon going on... Um, I think he was invited onto the set of Roseanne or something like that. Have you seen right. that? Yeah. No, no. He fucking... Like, he doesn't even get onto the set before they kick him out. And But the funny thing is, he does nothing fucking wrong. It's just the fact that he is incorruptible to his principles. And the minute someone starts being a bit of a knob, he's on them. <laughs> and it's incredible. Just go and just find it on YouTube. It's like Light and and goes to... Uh, 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 the, the Roseanne set it's fucking his quality he just has a he's... massive fallout he's surrounded by security and it's like he's completely in the right and he's not misbehaved at all really it's people being well, dicks and in positions of power being twats what you've said right there if people want to just take a moment to understand and appreciate that has probably been what it's like for him since the pistols every day of his life and I don't want to get too much on the defend John Lydon campaign, but I will always defend him when given the chance because anybody that says something bad about him, imagine walking half a mile in that man's shoes and being that vilified and hated and condemned and ridiculed, you know, everything. The, the amount of shit that he has had to contend with so that people can now have blue hair and call themselves alternative and walk the streets yeah. without fear of being beaten up, you know, by the guy from the pub or the policeman or the kids from down the street. He's a true fucking anti-hero, a true anti-hero, a true icon, a true legend. And uh, yeah, one, one, one album was all they needed. Bang. I know they did others, but forget them. You don't need any others. Just that even the songs which aren't played all the time, you know, 17, Bodies, EMI, Submission, fucking still sound like ferocious and gnarly and incredible, don't they? The, I mean, not trying to be music wanker here, but the production on that record, it's huge, isn't it? The it sounds so fucking your, massive. Yeah. The guitars will blow your head off on that, and it still sounds great. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Good shout. Jesse, Good shout. what are you shouting next? All Top right. two now, isn't it? Yeah. Top two is. Well, I didn't go in order of, like, you know, my favorites. I'm just trying to switch it up and talk about something cool. So uh, let's talk about the Dead Kennedys. Um, oh. Dead Kennedys for me... Did you have that on your list? No, but I didn't have them down as one of yours. Okay. You, snick, you snuck them <laughs> yeah, in. But... I, you know, I listened. I had Minor Threat. I had The Clash. I had The Bad Brains. But I've talked about that shit so much. And I feel like there's... I'll just delete all my choices. There's <laughs> Minor Threat, Bad Brains, Clash, God damn it. There's a, lot you can, there's a lot you can unpack with the Dead Kennedys. And, you know, let's just start with the sound. They mixed surf rock. They mixed this jangly surf rock. I mean, who the hell, like... There's not many bands that were sort of um, the cramps have a bit of that, but like Dead Kennedys uh, to me, when I heard them, I didn't even recognize it as punk because you know when I was getting into punk, you know it was like the British stuff like GBH, so I, the chainsaw of guitars and the attitude, and here you have this like odd sounding music with 
And let's just talk about it. Jello Biafra, one of the most iconic, strange, intelligent, and at times controversial characters. And his lyrics and his, his stage presence, his stage presence is kind of what really captivated me because I got into them. I loved, you know, the typical songs everyone gets to, you know, I heard Kill the Poor on a punk and disorderly compilation. And I was like, Kill the Poor? Wow, that's a fucked up thing to say. And it made me just kind of go down the black hole of lyrics and read what he had to say and like the little skits that they had and what he would talk about doing spoken word stuff and talking about the jocks and all this stuff as a teenager. I was like, who? Like, wow, nobody's doing this kind of shit. And he was really intelligent at the same time. But getting the, the VHS, it was a VHS tape that I had gotten in a record store of them playing live where he's wearing surgical gloves and just being a fucking madman on stage and watching the crowd go apeshit. And then you see the band. They don't look like what you think a punk band is. When you first get into punk, to me, it was like spikes and mohawks and you know that stuff was very punk rock. And then I saw this band that just looked like a bunch of guys that came out of art school. I don't know what the fuck, but the music they had you know, again, you have to say it, the lyrics, like nobody was writing songs like that. No one was talking about things the way he's talking about it. And the sheer sarcasm just fucking drips out of his mouth and the way he carried himself, uh, you know, and everybody knows they're, they're another band that's iconic. You see the DK thing, it's everywhere, you know, and Matt talked about that with no effects, like, you know, in one of his interviews um, where he's talking about seeing the symbol before you knew the band. And I remember seeing the DK all over the city and hearing the term dead Kennedys. And, you know, in my mind, Kennedys, the politicians, holy shit, that's a fucked up name. <laughs> so all of that really drew me in. And I, there was a good, I'd say six months of my, my life when I was 15 years old, where that's all I did was listen to the dead Kennedys, reading the lyrics, watching the VHS tape till I, it warped and trying to emulate that. When I first started singing music, I was trying to emulate him and Ian McKay from Minor Threat, if you can imagine what a schizophrenic frontman that makes. <laughs> um, yeah, his his sort of hand gestures and hanging himself with the mic cord and you think he's sincere about something and you realize it's just seething sarcasm throughout the whole thing. Just brilliant, brilliant band. And at one point, you know, they're a band that didn't, all their records aren't great, but man, the ones, the songs that were good and the records that just hit you at a certain time in your life yeah, I wouldn't be into punk rock. I don't think I would have expanded my mind and got into other types of music outside of punk rock when I was a teenager had it not been for the Dead Kennedys. Damn right. Damn right. Have you Matt, got... you're a fan, right? I adore them so much. And just, I mean, I also adore listening to Jesse talk about music. You could do that all day, right? That's why I'm so <clears throat> fucking stoked to do this show with him is sometimes I just kick back and go, man, this guy can talk and just command a room. Oh, I cut uh, myself off too, man. Trust me, I could just... No, 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 I could, I could like do that. I'm self-conscious. I don't want to talk too much. I could do that all day. I'm just in awe of the passion and the knowledge and the, the eloquence with which you present your case. Oh, um, and the, the great thing about the Dead Kennedys, which you alluded to a few times there, was they were dangerous and you know nowadays it's very hard to be dangerous without getting called a prick or being cancelled for being too offensive or controversial or problematic and that's the thing that a lot of people forget is you know a lot of these bands were challenging like the societal norm they were challenging the establishment and to do that 
like Leiden as well, like Jello, like so many of these famous figures, you do have to poke your head above the sand and risk people coming after you because what you're saying should be unsettling and it really should be provocative in the sense that it stops people dead in their fucking tracks. The name alone, the dead Kennedys, to have Such the fucking balls name. to call your yeah. band that yeah. and then to write songs like Holiday in Cambodia, Let's Lynch the Landlord, Kill the Poor. You know, you're coming out and you're saying some serious shit. And you've got to be willing to take the heat that comes with that. And I wonder if there's any bands around today, certainly ones coming up, that would have the fucking courage and the tenacity to even attempt to do that yeah. in today's world. I don't know. Yeah, and he also was unafraid to speak about gay rights and all these things that, you know, the macho... Nazi punks fuck Nazi off. Nazi punks like. fuck off. I mean, case in point. But you got a guy who was angrily standing up for people because there was a machoism in punk and hard and hardcore, especially, especially in California, you know, with bands like uh, black flag, you know, and I love black flag, but they didn't make the cut for this one. Cause I just, I feel like there was so much more interesting things to talk about the ones I chose, but yeah, they, they were one of those bands that were punk against punk. Really? You know, they were looking at other punk bands and being like, it's fucking ignorant what you're talking about. Like raise the, the bar a little bit of intelligence while still keeping it seethingly sarcastic, which is just, to me, I, I can't help but chuckle because there's so many jello moments that I look back in my teenage years and it just, it made punk fun and dangerous at the same time because it was an element of fun there because, you know, sarcasm can be super fucking fun. It's funny. Yeah, he was just, and just the way he was on stage, like, what a front man. Never a dull moment. He did not stay still and hold a mic and be cool. There's none of that shit. He was just having seizures, epileptic seizures of sarcasm <laughs> on stage. Yeah, you can definitely hear and see the influence in No Effects' songwriting in particular. Mm -hmm. That idea of ridiculing everything that is, you know, fair game to be ridiculed. If something is, there's hypocrisy there, then it's fair game. And that includes from within the punk community as yeah. well. Like, nothing's off limits. If you're an inauthentic person or insincere or you're lying or you're, you know, presenting something that doesn't reflect the truth, then you should go after that. Yeah, that should and, that should be the tribe, right? Is the truth a truth yeah. of things, not just sticking to your to your own and um, um, supporting whatever they're saying just because they're in your clique. You know, you've got to call people out, especially in your own sort of like genre for it. Definitely, Matthew. Okay, the top two. Doodle doodle do. <laughs> um, well, this relates to another new, brand new documentary. I don't know whether it's out yet. I haven't seen it yet, but it, it might be out. If not, it's out very soon. The polystyrene documentary. Oh, wow. I'm Watch very excited weekend. to see I it. I saw it Saturday. You did? I just knew he would have. I just knew if it was out, she would go, yeah, got it. Well, you can definitely shed some more light on this than me then, but let's get it going with just the X-Ray Specs again, another one album band, one record, and in that record hey, alone, right back. first of all, it's the only album to have brass that isn't Scar, and I do find that very interesting. I don't think there's any other punk bands. Maybe somebody could point me out and, and tell me where I'm wrong, but if you put Scar, sorry, if you put punk and brass together, yeah. traditionally it becomes Scar punk, whereas with X-Ray Specs, they had a sac uh, saxophone on songs, but it was still punk. There was no reggae or Scar rhythm to it. It was angry, spiky poppy punk music but it had this wailing sax underneath as well and as a social commentator you know she's talking about stuff then in 79 i believe germ free adolescence came out yeah i mean they were, they were making music before that mate 
Yeah, but that so that album that the mm. subjects in it apply so wholeheartedly to today in the terms of this plastic synthetic, you know, hyper real disgusting capitalist world in which we live. They were calling all that then. Germ-free adolescence, warrior in Woolworths, I'm a cliche, I'm a poser. You know, that's like, it's dissecting society of today, 40 years ago. It was so futuristic, so ahead of its time. And, you know, to fucking come out the gates with, oh, bondage up yours. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. I say, oh, bondage up yours. One, two, three, four. Just the energy fucking jumps out the speakers at you and it's so anarchic and untamed it reminds me of little richard that's a very similar like wild possessed sound that polystyrene had to her voice and even just from a fashion point of view you could go to east london today and you'd see 200 females and males and everyone in between dressing like that like she was such a style icon such an icon in every sense of the word, a great, great front person and a band that definitely don't get, I think, the credit they deserve. So I'm very happy to see this documentary's out and hopefully that'll hip loads of people to the band who weren't perhaps familiar with them before. Um, an incredible album, like just one record and it just stands up. Every song on it still today is perfection for me. Absolutely. Yeah, you talk about it. How's the movie? Okay. Sorry, dude. It's, uh, it's amazing, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's heartbreaking. You, 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 your bottom lip's gonna have a wobble. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's she's she's quite a tragic character. Mm. Um, there's you know there's it, it, it really really struggled um with her mental health, misdiagnosis. You know of that. I won't say too much because I, I really can't tell people enough to go and watch this. That it was kind of put together by a daughter. A daughter narrates it and. And sort of talks about you know growing up. Um, obviously, she she gave herself to uh, Krishna uh, and and literally moved to the the, the temple uh, and kind of just turned her back on on music. I mean, quit at their commercial peak as well. Just walked away, you know, yep. because it just she just didn't think she was being real. Um, I mean, what, what's a, more punk than that? That's what's more absolutely. punk than that, man? And that's the one thing that resonates like throughout the, the whole documentary. Just a, a, a beautiful, beautiful person, troubled, and but the one thing that also really does resonate is just how fucking good that music was. Yeah, man. I always thought you, it was the, you gonna say, very authentic as well. Like when you watch, she wasn't trying to be anything. She was just being her, you know. And I love the fact that you look at that band and another band that it just defies the whole what people think punk is and i just think that's so important because it's you know punk the style is, is is it is what it is i can take it or leave it most brilliant punk rockers don't give a shit about that and they were you know you see footage of her the way she carried herself there was no bullshit zero bullshit with her and i think that's another reason why that was empowering to see a woman just come out and not have to use sex appeal not have to use these things that women can use have used and naturally do use but there was none of that with her none of it it was just take it take it as it comes ah brilliant i think it's a great pick well done matt we're to the last spot jesse it's your, fi it's your final shout out dude yeah jesse are you gonna say discharge i'm not but that's a oh. good one yes yeah, i tried <laughs> i tried to stay away from the obvious ones 
I only guessed Operation Ivy for you. I got one out of five. You, you was Pathetic. playing. You was playing punk bingo, wasn't you, Matt? Well, well. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was like, how well do I know my co-host? <laughs> Evidently not. That oh well. no, Matt. Matt. To be fair, I milled over this list for three days and changed everything this morning because I was like, <laughs> fuck it. I just need to pull out new things to talk about and stop exhausting the ones that I'm constantly wearing T-shirts or promoting, minus the pogues. Um, it's just fun. Fuck it. Switch it up, right? That it being, sure is. That being said, and these boys have the best podcast for that because you just come on, talk about the shit you love, and yeah, and have awesome. a dos. This is great, man. I don't want this to stop. Let's do, let's do ten. <laughs> um, so I'm going to throw in the Descendants, uh, and for many many reasons. But um, uh, off the top of my head, I'll just say that um, they are a gateway band. I feel like I have showed people who don't know what punk is, or people. We're like, ah, I don't know if I really get punk. And I'll play the Descendants and 10 times out of 10 people are like, wow, that's mm. interesting. What the hell? It's super melodic, but it's got that fast paced energy of punk. And then there's this whole sort of like, you know, proto emo, if you want to call it that, like sappy lyrics about a girl or about my relationship or about like, I don't want to sleep around. Why are you sleeping around on me? Like clean sheets. What a brilliant song. Brilliant song. That's one of the first ones I heard. And I remember, you know, being a lyricist and a writer and a poet before I ever became a guy in a band, hearing that song and just being like, what a brilliant way to like those sheets are dirty and so are you like clean sheets, like, wow, poetry, but just wearing your heart on your sleeve. And then you see the band and you see Milo and then the logo and the glasses, the iconic, you know, they, they made it okay to be a, a total nerd and a geek and like, it you know I, I had people in my high school that would mimic that and the whole like you know cuff dickies with the glasses and like it it's a whole other thing that happened with punk and they were fun they were heartfelt they were sweet and endearing um and i think they just made it okay to be a little more emotional with you know writing songs about breaking up it was just but they did it without feeling cheesy it felt real and you could sort of feel the pain behind the vocals and the lyrics and it just the perfect band to sum up a sort of a relationship you know a high school relationship a punk rock couple yeah i i, I don't know they they changed it for me too and, and you know you look at the the time frame they came out they were so different from everything that was going on the antithesis of the the surfer macho you know slam dance you know destroy everything attitude and they just came out just sappy and sweet and punk as fuck really because again another one of those bands that within the quote-unquote confines of punk they were like no we're gonna do punk but we're gonna do it our way and it's gonna be fueled by caffeine and farts and heartbreak <laughs> and it's, it's fucking incredible and to this day you play the descendants for any i don't care who you are if you like music and you hear the descendants some people are like this is cool what is this you know even though they have no notion of what punk is can you remember where you first heard it so you've been you like introducing people to it is can you remember a moment when you heard them and where you was and what you was kind of doing with your life at the time going back to to what i said earlier um it was off of a mixtape made for me you know back in the 90s when you exchanged mixtapes uh, the girl I was dating made me this big mixtape and it was silly girl and clean sheets. Uh, and I heard clean sheets and that was, I was like, wow, just brilliant, brilliant. The lyrics, but, um, Amazing. yeah, yeah. I owe a lot to that first mixtape I got. It was kind of my gateway that and the punk and disorderly comp that I bought for like three ninety nine in the bargain <laughs> bin at a record store in like 1994, you know, just 
changed everything. Have you still got any of your mixtapes? Uh, I do have a ton of tapes in a crate somewhere. Couldn't tell you where. I, I, I'd, I'd kill for mine. I'd kill for mine. Got them somewhere. Yeah, I have a lot of my old cassettes, stuff, but I I don't know where they are. Yeah, I've, I've got stuff scattered. I'm just not quite sure exactly where in my parents' house it all is. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Like Matt strikes me as a guy who respects it and will, will look after his mixtapes. So have you? Did you? Have you ever kept any of yours, dude? Mixed I... these. <laughs> The big thing, I mean, I made my own, sure, but the, the big thing for, for me as a young punk kid was Punkarama. It was a series of mixtape of all the bands that were on Epitaph, and at that time, pretty much every punk band worth their salt was on Epitaph. And you would discover just, like, all of them, and you'd get one CD, Punkarama 2, and there'd be, like, ten of your new favorite bands on there. You'd hear Descendants, you'd hear Pennywise, you'd hear Bad Religion, you'd hear, like, the New Bomb Turks, You'd hear every single like band worth anything doing something interesting all on these CDs. Then the fat record ones as well, like short music for short people and all these fat wreck and epitaph mixtapes in my life was like the exposure to the, you know, the musical library, which made up, you know, sort of 10 years of my life. But in terms of the, the tapes that I made, I was probably like getting a lot more into that when it was the mini disc era. Oh, yeah. And I have all my mini disc mixtapes, all of them. I've still got my mini disc hi-fi. And I do think if it wasn't for like MP3s and streaming sites, mini disc would have had such a greater boom than it did because you retain the audio quality. You could get about five albums on a mini disc. They looked cool. It kind of had like all the analog magic of a tape, but just with the digital quality of a CD. Well, like my, and, my Sony Walkman was just set. It was just amazing, and it felt like the future. And then I got a mini disc, and that was just like my Sony tape on steroids, man. I, I fucking love <laughs> mini discs. Yeah, what a medium. So I, I just wondered if you two guys are on like commission from minidisc.com or something. <laughs> like, it's a real hard push going here. You were looking for a third sponsor, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Minidisc is coming back. Yeah. But I don't know if it, you know, whether it's minidisc or, or cassettes or, or, or whatever. Do you still have like, you know, you, you, I mean, Jesse, you seem sort of encyclopedic knowing that, you know, Clean Sheets was on that. I've got songs that when I hear on the radio now, that when it finish. When it finishes, I think, right, I know what's next. Yeah, yeah. Because that mixtape's so ingrained yes, in my head. Yes, yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so Clean Sheets, and then it was, um, um, oh, what the hell is that song? JFA Preppy was the next song on that mixtape. Preppy, Preppy, you're so fucking bad, man. Yeah, I love that. That's magic, though, isn't it? You still remember absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you know what? Even with albums... That now seems like an antiquated idea. Yeah. But obviously you'd, you'd you'd wear down an album because you'd only have four or five for three or four months at a time. So that'd be the soundtrack to your life. And, you know, you'd hear one song and then obviously it goes into the next song on the album. So you're expecting that introduction next. So now whenever I hear certain songs from a record out, I think, oh, it's going to be the next song on the album next. And then when it isn't, it seems wrong. Yeah. But isn't it mad that that is now like an ancient nostalgic thought? It absolutely is. Is. records remember albums it was like Pavlov's dog man you heard that so you your brain was getting ready for that next hit and yeah that that dog's been put down man we're all like just <laughs> jumping around and whatever that's the metaphor for the music industry right there <laughs> just the hmv dog just laying there on its side <laughs> 
Oh, dear. Right, last one. I can't believe I only got one of yours, Jesse. How many of my four did you guess so far? Let's see who's going to win this punk rock bingo first. I got The Clash and The Sex Pistols and obviously no effects, so I got three of yours. Oh, I, I haven't said The Clash, though. <laughs> oh, is it? Sorry. Is like it? I said, I, and I guess I'm just assuming. <laughs> just, just like you, I consciously left out The Clash because yeah. I thought... Jesse's definitely going to pick The Clash. Okay. And every interview we've done so far about our podcast, we've referenced Joe Strummer, how that's the whole idea behind the podcast. So I love the idea that the whole show that we do is based on Joe Strummer, and yet The Clash haven't made our top five punk bands here today. But it just goes without saying yeah, that obvious. they do. It's in my DNA. Um, number one for me is, and this is my number one punk band, Above the Pistols and The Clash. They are my top three. Um, Sex Pistols, The Clash, and The Almighty Buzzcocks. Buzzcocks, for me, are just the greatest pop-punk band of all time. You mentioned the Descendants there, and they're way up there. The Ramones are way up there as well. But for me, the Buzzcocks just did pop music that had, you know, angular, interesting chord choices, and the lyrics were very much, you know, you had kind of bands of that period going up against the government and the monarchy and society, and the Buzzcocks turned everything in. And it was all about existential heartache and, you know, very Dardaist and, and just post-punk, even before that genre was a thing, they were going in those directions of songs like Why Can't I Touch It? And there was just a Krautrocky kind of obscure vibe going on to some songs. And then you just had the most bittersweet, perfect, like pop nuggets. Um, and their singles going steady compilation CD, I would say, is the greatest, greatest hits album from the whole punk you know genre of, of both sides of the pond uk and us buzzcock single going steady you can put on that i think it's 16 songs every single one is just a certified pop punk masterpiece and pete shelley just the pain and the romanticism and the heartache and the soul in his voice so he had a you know voice that could light up a room and that band for me are the one that i continually revisit and you know, I barely go a week without listening to the Buzzcocks still to this day. Um, and I had Steve Diggle on my show and had an amazing chat with him. He was fucking hilarious. Their last uh, big tour, I think, of, of the sort of 90s era was with Nirvana. Um, so they opened up for Nirvana all around Europe. And then three days later, the tour ended. Kurt went home and, and killed himself. So they were there with that outfit in their final stages. And he had some amazing stories about that time. But... You know, they're just a weird band that everybody seems to love from like Eddie Vedder to The Who, like all of these kind of classic, iconic stadium arena rock bands are all like, yeah, the Buzzcocks, they're our guys. Um, and again, I don't think they quite get the the credit and love they deserve. Everybody knows Ever Fallen in Love and a lot of people think they're just a one hit wonder, but such an amazing band. And um, they really, for me, just had something different that the other punk contemporaries didn't have, you know, orgasm addict. He's singing about basically being a bisexual sex fiend. And you're like, wow, that's an interesting thing to be singing about at that time when everybody else was saying, you know, God save the queen and white riot. They were out there. They were on a complete other plane. Um, just being weird. And, and punk is about that is being weird, but in a, in a very digestible pop package. Um, yeah, they're, they're number one for me all time. Yeah, you could say for sure they paved the way for the Descendants and like Green Day, one hundred percent. I mean, they were wearing their hardness. Even like you said, they it's abstract, but they are talking about relationships. They are talking about heartache. 
while still being considered punk by the punk community. So yeah, that, that's a that's a really good choice. And you're right, the songwriting, the guitar tone, the vocals, yeah, iconic for sure. Great pick. Yeah, it, it still sounds fresh, doesn't it, when you hear the Buzzcocks? I mean, a lot of these bands, Dead Kennedy, certainly, X-Ray Specs, certainly, um, Op Ivy, a lot of these bands that we, we have chosen, they, they don't sound dated in any way, shape, or form, do they? Mm, I agree. Go so. us. Yeah, go us. <laughs> and, and Jesse, when you, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, about lots of, you know, punks had them kind of studs and mohawks, uh, you know, a little later on. But, like, you know, if you'd look at the Pistols, you know, they look like what you, the press perceived the punk band for. And you said, that obviously, like, you know, Jello didn't. And, and Pete Shelley, he just looked like a bloke down the yeah. pub. You know, he didn't look in like... A suit. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, Diggle looked like he could have been in the small faces. But, like, apart from that, they just looked like a a rough and tumble bunch of fellas you'd see walking down the street. You, you know, they didn't look like what a punk band should look like. Right. And and just the melody, you know, and the hooks that they had in them songs. Pure, yeah. pure pop. Pure pop. Yeah. You know, pop songwriting at its best. But with just angular, gnarly guitars, incredible vocals, and just swagger. Like We should also say as well, you probably wouldn't have had that whole Hacienda movement without the Buzzcocks, you know, arguably they were the band that were the catalyst for Joy Division, New Order, Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, Oasis. All of it arguably can be traced back to them and what they did. Obviously, they were the first ever UK band to release music independently as well, which is always a very interesting talking point. Is like the Clash and the Pistols were signed to a major, whereas Buzzcocks were the first band to raise their own capital start their own label called New Hormones and release 16,000 copies of their Spiral Scratch EP independently, which at that time in the UK in 76, no other band had done before them. So they were the first band to do it themselves. It's ironic, isn't it, though? Like the, the corporate backing and the people that were behind bands like, uh, you know, the Sex Pistols and The Clash and like that fact that they did it all themselves. What's more punk than that? Yeah. Do, you want, do you want a little story about Spiral Scratch? Always. So I interviewed uh, the the guy that um, ended up becoming Richard Branson's right hand man at Virgin. Um, he was responsible for coming up with the concept of the now that's what I call music compilations. Right. And he also set up the Mercury Music Prize. But what he did do, he worked in Manchester in the Virgin Megastore or HMV, Virgin Megastore, of course, because it was Virgin, Richard Branson, was working in there. Uh, and then basically Pete Shelley come in and went, have you got any copies left? Or it might have been Devoto. Uh, and he went, no. And he said, we need more. We need more. We've sold out then. And so my guest then went to the safe, stole the money, I wonder lent, why you weren't naming him. <laughs> lent the money to the Buzzcocks, who then got more records pressed, and then put the money back. But Branson got word of it, loved it, just thought it showed real fucking genius to like see something so good and just go, right, fuck it, shit or bust, I'm going to lend him the money to get it out there. And he kind of financed a second run of Spiral Scratch. And... Again, just to touch on when we went and recorded with Mike from the Smiths, all he ever said was he just wanted to be in the Buzzcocks. All he ever wanted to do was join the Buzzcocks, and he did. Oh, and yeah. uh, and he said, like, 
whatever I've done in the Smiths, whatever I've done with Sinead O'Connor and, you know, the, the whatever the bands that, that he'd played with, it was playing drums for the Buzzcocks was his happiest he's ever. He said he just, all I ever wanted to do was play drums in my favourite band and I got to do it. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, and he said as well, he said there was a moment, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, where before the Smiths, there was a point where Pete Shelley said yeah. to Johnny Marr, should we start a band? That's right, yeah. So imagine what might have been there. Marr and Shelley. That would have been quite interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's kind of the perfect marriage right there. What would have what would have become? Mm. And, you know, Pete Shelley died so, so young, far too young. And uh, he is famous for saying he would have uh, in his ride a champagne. You probably know this story, but it's a good one worth telling. And his phrase would be, um, if basically the champagne's not there, they won't play. So no moe, and he'd say, no moe, no shoe, <laughs> no shandon, no bandon. <laughs> Love it. And that was his tipple backstage, is a little bit of bubbly before going on and singing, you say you don't love me. Incredible. <laughs> Gentlemen, before we start to wrap it up, um, tell us a little bit more about the podcast. Where can people get it? What's coming up on it? What can people expect? Well, you can get it everywhere, and I do mean everywhere now. We've got a great team. It's the first time in my life I've had a producer on anything. And uh, Jesse and I work with this amazing American network called Gas Digital, and they've got a team of producers assigned to shows. So we've got this great guy called Joey O'Neill um, working on our show. So he just does all the hard work. It's amazing. It's the first time in my life I've ever had that. So he makes us look and sound amazing, uh, and it goes out to, like, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. It's on YouTube as well. And so you can watch us doing the Zoom thing and we've got a nice like black and white filter on it and a nice frame. So it looks nice. So it's on literally every imaginable podcast platform you could think of. It also goes out live via the Gas Digital website um, every Tuesday at uh, 8 p.m. UK time. Um, so people can literally tune in and watch it live as it's going out, audio and video, gasdigitalnetwork.com is the place to go. And then basically every Sunday, it then gets dropped everywhere else. So it goes out live on Tuesday. You can catch it then up front there. And then five days later, everywhere else each week. Um, and the the next few weeks are looking incredible. Jesse, you can tell them about the Russian priest in a moment. You guys are going to love this. Um, our first musician guest is Keith Buckley from a band called Every Time I Die. Um, he is somebody who I did a live Q&A with, very similar to the event I did with Jesse. And those guys have got a huge shared history. They did their first tours together 20-odd years ago, very similar characters from similar background so to have both of them together on the show talking about or also their personal experiences as both recently divorced men um so we, we get very personal in that one with keith very deep and then the f <laughs> check this so a big thing for the show is as much as we're going to have musicians and big name guests on we want to get listeners on the show as well that's a big thing with stoke the fire so we're asking people to reach out get in touch, email us via stokethefirepod at gmail.com and share their stories. And then if they want to, they can come on the show and talk to me and Jesse. So Jesse, tell them about our first listener guest, which is just mind-blowing. This is so cool. Yeah, quick side note. 
uh, it's just easy for me between gas digital and then Matt who just gave all the plugs. Like this is what, ha- this is my life. <laughs> I'm just going to chime in and go, yeah, what, what he said. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm learning how to do, do the thing, but he does the thing so well. Um, so, yeah, so yeah. Um, as we mentioned, we're going to have Sage Francis on, uh, which um, we just booked that. I'm stoked for that. But the one that I'm like really looking forward to is a, a, a priest um, named Maximus. Now this guy, became a priest because of his experiences working alongside the Warrens. So the Warrens were a husband and wife team. So you may have heard of um, Annabelle, the horror movie Annabelle about yeah. the doll. Or, oh, uh, what? The, the uh, Conjuring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so that, those the, guys, the, Warren, the actual... So she was a psychic yeah. and he was a demonologist and they would go investigate hauntings around New England or wherever. And uh, this guy worked with them as an archivist for their museum where they have Annabelle the doll. They have all these things for around the world. So he worked side by side with them and has stories. And, you know, interestingly enough, he came from the punk and hardcore scene that I grew up in, roughly the same time frame, uh, then started working with uh, the Warrens uh, before they passed. And then because of his experiences with them, became a priest. So he was shaken to a point where he found that he needed to become a priest. So we're going to unpack that guy's story, which to me, you know, you talk about a conversation around a campfire. How perfect is that? I mean, wow. you always talk wow. about, you know, like haunted stories and whatever stories. And this guy is just to me, the perfect guest. He's got the, the story of the demonologist thing, but he also has his roots in punk and hardcore. So I'm curious to know what happened and, and the stories that that guy has. I'm, and he was a guy that wrote us was just like, Hey, fan of what you guys are doing. I'm a listener. Here's my story. And I remember seeing the email was one of the first ones I ever read. I was like, Whoa, I said, Matt, we got to get this guy on. This is sick. So yeah, that's, that's the caliber we're working with so far, but uh, we do want to create a community and we do want to create a podcast where you can listen and, and pay attention and think in the back of your head, Hey, I got something to share. This could be valuable. And either you come on the show or we'll take your topic or your question and add it to a show of just answering fans' Q&As. Then the big picture is uh, we'd love to do it in person once this thing flips back into a sociable environment, actually sit around a fire and have, you know, people there talking. And then, you know, as time goes on, Matt and I would love to travel Anthony Bourdain style and get into people's homes and go and check out like people's culture and submerge ourselves whatever country or whatever scene and you know have a conversation about whatever and i think that's what's exciting for me it starts out this is the spark if you will to light the big fire and our idea is much bigger than just a podcast but so far so good man where we just got started and it's already got so much energy and, and so much uh so many things to be stoked about well, I'm I'm famously not a podcast listener, Jesse, and yet you've you've already mentioned two that I absolutely will be tuning into. So, uh, gotcha. yeah, I can't wait, dude. <laughs> it's pretty wild, isn't it? I'd never seen the Conjuring films before, so I've been watching them this week in the lead up to talking to Maximus and getting merged in that world or immersed, sorry. And yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying watching them as a work of fiction <laughs> is terrifying. So, yeah, to speak to this guy who lived it and experienced it firsthand is going to be pretty mind-blowing and i was saying to jesse earlier on i've spent today reading some of the emails we've been sent and i just started crying whilst reading one of them it was so heavy and and the lady who got in touch with us was so open and and honest about the things she'd experienced and been through and 
there's some profound stuff that's going to get explored and unpacked and you know dissected as much as we comfortably can in this show and we really do want it to be a place that people come to for respite and recharge and perspective and strength and inspiration and like you know heavy duty stuff but we're going to deal with it with love and positivity so we want it to be a show that you listen to and you feel plugged into something meaningful and powerful and you know now with the world as divided and messed up and confused as it is i think it's just you know we 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 couldn't have chosen a better premise for a show at this time and like jesse just want to echo what he said thrilled 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 to be getting stuck into it take the humanity back <laughs> well, we uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we put the links to the show uh, in the footnotes for this this episode. Um, Matt, Jesse, thank you so much. It's Thanks always so much a pleasure, and it's lovely to meet you, Jesse. Appreciate it, man. This is fun. This is like super fun. I love the the energy between you guys. It's great, and I you've made a new fan. I'm going to check you guys out now. I honestly, it's awesome. I love it. And you should come on Stoke the Fire once we've got it up and running hey, as well. Our pleasure. Oh, I'd love to. The global community needs to have Essex represented. So. Oh, we love it. <laughs> any subject, any subject, It's, a, it's about it. time I repaid the favour. And, dude, thank you so much, as always, for, for your support and encouragement and kindness and friendship. I love you both. Oh, man, dearly. we love you too, dude. Jesse, yeah. nice to meet you, bro. See you later. Yeah. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast.